0: Strength, intelligence, (laughs) heightened senses. I don't know what Hunter would yell.
1: Cool hair,
0: (laughs) bandana. What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Real quick before questions, we wanted to send a shout out to Clashing Sabers and their annual book drive. They're doing a fundraiser right now called The Book Batch. We will link to it down in the description. But every penny donated is going to sending Star Wars books into classrooms so that uh, they can be well stocked with high interest uh, books for kids to read, which I know growing up, some of the Star Wars books that I dove into are part of the reason I became such a big Star Wars fan today.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if I had had access to a book like Lost Stars in middle school, I would have been all over it.
0: What would that have done for you?
1: Made me a Star Wars fanatic even earlier.
0: <laughs> That's I I just remember reading through the Young Jedi Knights and even like Shadows of the Empire was my first big boy book, you know? Like it was it was thick and it, it was hundreds of pages. I had never read anything like that, but you know, a video game is gonna encourage a, a young Star Wars fan to dive into books. But after that, I was reading Truce at Bakura, the X Wing novels. I basically just went chronological and was soaking up more and more Star Wars. So obviously, we talk about Star Wars books on this channel all the time. We're big fans. And so check out Clashing Sabers and their fundraiser. There's a link in the description. And when this video goes live, they should have a little over a week left in the fundraiser. So please go support them.
1: We get it, Alex. You can read. (laughs) For our first question, Harry Oomph asks, what Mandalorian lore we should watch or read before The Mandalorian Season 3?
0: Actually, Like, I was trying to look through, and there isn't a ton of Mandalorian lore to read in canon right now. I think they are saving it all for the screen, whether it be uh, live action or animated. So right now, outside of the Mandalorian itself, and a little bit in the Book of Boba Fett, which was really fun, a lot of the Mandalorian stuff that you should check out is in the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels.
1: Yeah, I feel like reading or watching anything talking about Mandalore... Specifically, would be helpful, but there's not a lot, like you said, there's not a lot of that out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I prefer to soak up my lore through the stories first and foremost. Obviously, I love the reference books to fill in gaps, but uh, the the stories are where the real juicy stuff is at. So, I would start in the Clone Wars. There are some Mandalore arcs uh, pretty earlier in the series. I I don't know the exact. Uh, seasons and episode numbers. So what I'll do is I'll put a list down in the description, but the Duchess of Mandalore and the introduction of Pre Vizsla, like that was the first time we saw the Darksaber in Star Wars. So that mm-hmm. was a big moment.
1: Yeah, I, I know what I did for like last season and when Bo-Katan showed up, I just went and watched all the Bo-Katan episodes of other shows that I could find.
0: Honestly, that's a a good thing to do is if you pop into Wikipedia, you can look up Bo-Katan or the Darksaber or Mandalore, and then you can go down to the appearances section, and it will tell you every piece of Star Wars media it has ever appeared in, whether it's in the Clone Wars or Rebels or a reference book or anything like that. So if there's some specific topic you want to drill into, I think that's a good idea. Um, but the Darksaber and the Vizlas, uh first appear in the Clone Wars, along with Satine and Bo-Katan and Sundari, the capital city, which we're going to see in live action now in The Mandalorian, jumping into Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it's a little harder to pin down because Sabine is in uh, most of those episodes, mm-hmm. and is going to appear in at least the Ahsoka series and probably The Mandalorian Season 3 if I just had to guess. (laughs) So it's kind of like, you could watch all of Star Wars Rebels, but specifically uh, the episode Trials of the Darksaber is A, one of the best episodes in the series, Uh, B, it continues the story of the Darksaber, it really dove into its importance, talked about Tarvizla, who just got a mention in The Book of Boba Fett, And that's near the end of season three of of Rebels. And then the very beginning of season four of Rebels basically tells you why the Mandalorians were wiped out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story ends on a happier note. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a bummer to know that everything that they do do in those episodes uh, leads to their complete annihilation almost, but uh, still they're good episodes.
1: Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, this doesn't have to do with Mandalorian lore, but just rewatch the first two seasons so you can see Grogu.
0: We're getting ready to do that right now. And I'm going to count how many times Molly cries.
1: Flying Wombat wants to know why we haven't seen any post The Rise of Skywalker books or comics and when we'll go back to that era.
0: I I think we've talked about this on occasion, but it, it is something interesting to bring up that very few stories right now are focused on the sequel trilogy era and th- there have been some. Uh, Charles Soule wrote a post-Rise of Skywalker story. Uh, the Lego shorts I-, I think should count, kind of. They're they're canon gray or canon light or something. <laughs> and some of the Star Wars Adventures comics have been uh, the sequel era. But yeah, by and large, everything has been either the original trilogy era, the prequels, or the High Republic. Like, that definitely feels like the focus. And I think some people have taken that as a negative thing. Like, oh, they're, obviously some people are being like, yeah, they're ignoring the sequels on purpose. And some people are like, why are they ignoring the sequels? And I think that <laughs> if you look back at some of their past history, Lucasfilm's past history, if they're not putting something in publishing... That's usually a sign, not always, but it's usually a sign that they're saving it for a different project. So, I there have been rumors of late
1: mm-hmm. that,
0: like, Damon Lindelof's movie, if that is indeed a thing, that's very much a rumor. But the rumor is that it will be a post Rise of Skywalker story. So, I think that the lack of storytelling in books and comics suggests that they are very much exploring that era, or they want to.
1: Yeah, I think they, like you said, they want to save that content for the best that they can give the audience, which right now I think is a live-action movie or show. Uh, So that's probably why we're not seeing many books in that era. But also, I mean, just look at the trilogies so far. We got the original trilogy, and then we got the prequels, and then we got the sequels. And so like, I think they like to jump all over the timeline just to change it up and give the audience a chance to grow up a little bit the younger audience a chance to grow up a little bit uh, so that they're a little bit older when we revisit that time
0: i also think that's very much true just that they want a little variety in the storytelling and the fact that you know we just finished the skywalker saga and the sequel trilogy and a lot of the books and comics at that time tied into those stories. So, I think they are probably shifting a little bit like maybe they're ignoring it not in a negative way but just like okay, let's take a break. Let's figure out what we want to do with that era mm-hmm. and we'll do books like Shadow of the Sith. Like those will come out, but especially the post Rise of Skywalker era they that's important. <laughs> like they they should figure out what does the galaxy look like moving forward? Yeah. And I think it's smart to take some time and and do that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah.
1: I, I think that they are really focusing in on what we're calling the Mandoverse. So, Favreau and Filoni's projects on Disney. Plus. And, you know, they might be just taking note on what does really well in those shows and then putting that knowledge towards whatever they're going to make for the sequel, tri- for the continuation of the sequel trilogy. Because. I think they realized that they really, really need to hone in on the central story and message of what they want to tell going forward and not kind of just be like, we'll figure it out on the way. Right.
0: I mean, like, I I do think that... I I don't think you need a plan to go into uh, a trilogy or something. I think it helps. I, like, that's kind of my preferred uh, way to go about it. But more importantly, I think... If you know what you want to say with Star Wars moving forward, then everything feels a little more cohesive. And they've even suggested that in the films, they are looking for someone who's willing to make that long-term commitment the same way that John Favreau has, where he's like, I want to play in the Star Wars sandbox for a while, and he knows what he wants to say with Din and Grogu. The messaging has always felt cohesive to me and consistent. So I think that's probably what they're doing is whether or not the next trilogy or whatever is post Rise of Skywalker, or if it's Old Republic, whoever they have, I think they are trying to just figure out like, what are we going to say with these stories before Mm -hmm. we dive into production?
1: Yeah, basically just put Grogu in anything going forward and it'll do well. Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we want variety, except for Grogu. Put him in everything. He
1: could be in anything. Andy Keyless asks if we could see High Republic stories set in between each phase once the initiative is complete.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: I, I think that's almost a given.
1: Yeah, I, that Star Wars loves to do that. It'll <laughs> give you a little bit here, a little bit there. And then like, oh, look at all these years that we skipped. Here's some... Right. Sprinkle in some stories there.
0: Especially after phase two jumped 150 years into the past of phase one, there are absolutely absolutely going to be High Republic stories set in between phases two and one, which is weird to put it in that order. But
1: Well, and it feels like a given for them to go back and tell stories about Elzar and Stellan and Avar Chris while they were a little bit younger mm-hmm. and when they were all you know, in in their prime, so to speak. So I, I think that should definitely happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they want to make us sadder, they should absolutely, absolutely do that. We don't know what phase three is going to look like yet. I don't really expect it to be a big time jump from phase one. I think that they're basically going to pick up where phase one left off. So there might not be many stories set in between phases one and three, um, but there's always room for it. I mean, the Clone Wars got seven seasons out of a three-year gap, so yeah. I, like it doesn't really matter what the timeline is. They will find a way to tell more stories if they want to. But regardless of the phases, I think the acolyte has proven we are not done with High Republic storytelling after the books and comics and right. the audio dramas.
1: Oh yeah, I think we're just getting started. Will wants to know if we'd like to see a Ventress and Barriss season of Tales of the Jedi.
0: This is kind of jumping off a question I think we did a month or two ago uh, of what other Tales of the Jedi would we want to see? And we kept trying to pair up Jedi because Ahsoka and Dooku, while their stories were very much separate in Tales of the Jedi, it explored a lot of the same themes. Mm -hmm. And I really liked this idea that Barriss and Ventress do share some interesting connections, uh, especially at the end of Barriss's story. Yeah, Uh, where she basically frames Asajj. So there is like that intersection.
1: Well, yeah, if you really want to simplify it, one starts bad and ends up good and the other starts good and ends up bad.
0: (laughs) And that's exactly what they suggest. Yeah. So like there is this kind of uh, X where where they switch moralities and they kind of meet in the middle Mm. uh, where... Barris literally, like, knocks out Ventress, takes her lightsabers and her mask so she can frame her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. The, the only thing about it is that I, I think they probably could tell their stories in 3 and 3. Um, but also, I, I would want them to do it all justice. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I could. It's the same thing as Dooku, though. We got those three Dooku shorts, and I was like, I ugh, I could watch so much more of this.
1: Yeah. Give us the year of Barris <laughs> and, and Ventress, too. I'll always be excited for more Ventress stories, but like, give us Barris f- saving Grogu from Order 66, give us Barris in Tales of the Jedi.
0: But we see her
1: fall, but then come back.
0: If if some of our theories about Barris that we mentioned last week in the Q and A wind up being true, then yeah, maybe they will bring Barris back for Tales of the Jedi, just like Ahsoka is kind of being wrapped into it. Um, on top of that, I, I think one negative to that whole idea is that they would probably then adapt some of Dark Disciple, mm-hmm. and then there would probably be changes to the book, just like there were for that final Ahsoka short, and we'll have to go through all that again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and like, as as beloved as the Ahsoka novel is, I think the fans of Dark Disciple might be even more rabid if that got changed too much, so that is kind of a tightrope to walk. Right. Eli H.S. asks, what hobbies each member of the Bad Batch should pick up to become more well-rounded?
0: I love this question because... We were talking about how Omega is obviously learning different skills from each member of the batch, but she is also helping them become uh, more well-rounded and less just caricatures where Wrecker's just like the big guy that loves explosions. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing that he can learn how to MacGyver something together so he can make a big gun that causes big explosions. So he's still driven by explosions. Yeah. But he, he did a very tech thing, I thought, in those first two episodes.
1: Yeah, and just recently, he had the idea for Omega to shoot out the window for that monster that they were fighting in, in the last episode. So he's he's getting smarter. His his
0: ideas are still very destructive, but they are good ideas.
1: Break that window.
0: So uh, we'll start with Wrecker. I had an idea for him. I think his hobby should be baking because that is a very, like, particular style of cooking you need to be able to do things correctly
1: it's meticulous yeah it requires a lot of measurements and it's very
0: precise i think that's the word i'm looking for
1: yeah and like you can have instructions so he he could have a recipe that all he has to do is read it and then recreate it but it takes time and if you get something wrong like a measurement it can kind of ruin the whole thing
0: right But he would be creating something instead of destroying something. And at the end, he would be able to eat it, which is another one of his passions. Like, in all of these episodes, he is just constantly stuffing his face. I loved in the Riot Racing episode, Faster, every scene he had like a skewer of meat that Mm -hmm. he was just chomping on. So give him something to create and then eat. Like, that's his reward.
1: Yeah, he can destroy it with his mouth. (laughs) Yes. Um... Who else did we think of? Oh, I thought of a good one for Tech, who is someone who's very uh, just dialed in all the time, kind of very by the books. Uh, So improv. Yeah. Give him him some improv classes. Honestly, they could all take improv classes and do well.
0: When you told me that, I was like, that's perfect. That's perfect (laughs) for Tech. I mean, all of them honestly are pretty good at improvising on the battlefield. But I think Tech could use some social improv skills. Mm -hmm. Just the ability to think more creatively and to have more fun. And I mean, he should take improv for the same reasons I took improv. Yeah, Like it's the exact same. (laughs) But I really liked, when we were talking about this, you suggested, or you said, it would be really entertaining to watch Tech try to yes-and someone
1: Who is wrong. Who is
0: absolutely wrong.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the number one rule of improv. You have to yes and. You have
0: to yes and. And another rule that they suggest is that no matter what, you are an expert at everything. If someone asks you a question, you answer it. Mm -hmm. And that answer is right in this world. So watching Tech try to accept that, I think, would be good for him. Yeah. I thought of one for Crosshair. Uh, I've been talking about how he is like the one who has a skill that is all about killing. You know, like Wrecker has super strength. Hunter has heightened senses. Tech is very smart. They can all be skills used somewhere else. And I feel like uh, Crosshair just knows how to shoot really well. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what else am I supposed to be but a soldier? But if you really think about it, his actual uh, skill is great eyesight, I think that might be his superpower. And, so and good aim. Yeah, I, I think maybe uh, make letting him letting crosshair cross stitch would be fun.
1: Crosshair with a cross stitch.
0: That'd be his YouTube channel. <laughs> Welcome back to Crosshair's Cross Stitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> be sure to like and subscribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he he would just make something nice gifts for. Uh, hopefully he rejoins the batch at some point and he can yeah. give out gifts of like they say, I'm sorry for almost killing you, for almost burning you alive.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's an activity that he can do on his own because we know he likes to brood and, and be sad in his room alone but now he can do it while cross-stitching. I
0: also think it would be funny to see him wearing those glasses that magnify your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like try to take him seriously after he's wearing that. Mm-hmm. So I think Hunter is the only one we have left. Well, Echo. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so oh. sorry. Yikes, Well,
1: must be embarrassing.
0: Uh, uh I, I, I am embarrassed.
1: I mean, I thought of a few for Echo. This one isn't really a hobby, but he would just be like a good handyman. Yeah, uh, just a- That, or like he could get into music and be like a one-man show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a one-man band. Yeah, yeah. I I like music for him, mm-hmm. cause he's been a bit of a, rightfully so. He's been a bit of a grump, and like he wants to do more in the galaxy. He wants to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he's looking for a way to help all of his clone brothers. Maybe he starts an all clone band, and he's he's the front man. Yeah. And he can swap his arm out for like a microphone that, <laughs> or Perfect. any instrument. He yeah. can probably take any sort of instrumentation.
1: Yeah, just uh, there's endless possibilities with the fact that he can replace his hand with anything.
0: Also, you could probably just like load a bunch of songs into his uh, brain thing. Oh,
1: yeah. DJ Echo. Yeah, he could be a DJ. <laughs> that sounds great, honestly. <laughs> DJ
0: Echo is a pretty good name. Okay, now Hunter.
1: Now Hunter. Uh, Let's see, What what does he need in his life?
0: A, he, a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, he is also, maybe he just needs like a a single dad support group. Mm. Obviously, all the other members of the Bad Batch are there, but Hunter feels like the one that has really taken on the responsibility of Omega, and he really feels the weight of that.
1: I could see him as a gym teacher.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could too.
1: Like, give him a teaching role, but something like, gym or like nothing too academic and that way if he has empty nest syndrome for the day whenever the day comes that omega decides to go off and do her own thing he still has a bunch of kids to take care of i
0: like that i could see him teaching dodgeball for sure oh
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) on to youtube questions the real code black wants to know if sid from the bad batch could be an homage to final fantasy in exchange for the game's inclusion of bigs and wedge
0: I thought that was a really fun thing that I never ever considered. Little backup information. Okay. Uh, so a bunch of the Final Fantasy games have Biggs and Wedge as like NPC characters, side characters, but- Really? Yeah, it, it's just a little Easter egg where two characters are always together, I think, at least in the games that I know this from. Oh,
1: they just had the names.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not literally Biggs and Wedge, or I'm else I would be playing all of the Final Fantasy games all the time.
1: <laughs> you, you all know at this point that I don't know much about anything but Star
0: Wars. I don't know much about Final <laughs> Fantasy. I've played uh, 6 and 7 and some of the Game Boy games, which I don't know if they even really count. Um, but, yeah, Biggs and Wedge are characters in several Final Fantasy games. Oh, I love that. But so is Sid. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a character named Sid, spelled C-I-D. So, Do
1: they send you out on missions?
0: I, it's probably different in every game. I feel like Sid was a main character in Final Fantasy VI, but it's been a while since I played that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically the question is, could Star Wars be returning the favor with a little nod back to Final Fantasy?
1: Sure. Why not?
0: I have no idea where Sid's name came from. Uh, we know it's fully Citarin scale scaleback. Or something like that, but yeah. we know her as Sid, and I like that idea. i'll I'll see if I can find confirmation of that from someone, maybe if, if we maybe get a chance someone knows
1: to talk to anyone uh, from the the writing team or the creative team behind Bad batch at celebration, we'll be sure to pop that question in. yeah. Addie asks what Ezra and Thrawn's relationship will be like when we see them again. Bros
0: <laughs> Best friends. Best
1: bros. That's... They got matching tattoos.
0: <laughs> They're space whales.
1: Yes. <laughs> like...
0: We're whale brothers. <laughs>
1: they have a secret handshake.
0: I doubt it. Oh, no. I would love that, but I doubt it. Probably. Not. That was that was kind of the speculation after uh, Star Wars Rebels ended and Ezra and Thrawn went missing together, I do still love the idea that they have to begrudgingly work together. There is uh, precedent for Thrawn needing a Force user around, especially if they're in the Unknown Regions. Uh, he could he could use a Force user to navigate hyperspace, basically, mm-hmm. uh, where, where it's been uncharted. So I, I do like the idea of people who hate each other having to work together to survive, just like that other Rebels episode with... Callus and Zeb, and then they became the best of bros as well.
1: Or the best of lovers. If not
0: more. (laughs) (laughs) Even Steve Bloom uh, suggested as much. We all know. Yeah, we know. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't get the sense that in the Ahsoka series or Mando season three or whatever, whenever we see them again, I don't know. I just don't think Ezra's going to be in that kind of state of mind.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting because Thrawn's being set up to be this huge villain Mm -hmm. and Ezra's being set up as being the one who needs rescuing. But what if they find him and Ezra's like, I need to help Thrawn with insert problem here.
0: I mean, yeah, that's an option too. What if... Ezra is, people have thrown around like, oh, what if Ezra is replacing Jorah Sabiath in this story from the old Thrawn trilogy? I don't think I like that idea, but.
1: Probably obviously. not. But like you said, if if Ezra learns enough about Thrawn and his, you know, his culture, what drives him, if Thrawn's trying to save the Chiss Ascendancy, let's say, and Ezra could somehow help with that, Ezra might be a little bit more on Thrawn's side. We don't know. know.
0: I was about to kind of poo-poo on them bringing the Chiss Ascendancy into live action. Like, I don't think they're going to get into Thrawn's motivations because that's all book stuff. But Cobb Vanth, (laughs) like he's... If they're going to bring Cobb Vanth into the story, then sure, they could also bring in some extra lore about Thrawn. But my guess is that they will save all of the Chiss Ascendancy stuff for Timothy's on that mm-hmm. he will write some Thrawn books after we get the live action story. Sure, but I do wonder if we're gonna get any of their story because they've been missing for like ten years, nine years or so. Mm-hmm. So what what have they been doing? Are we just not gonna know? Also, I think that now I'm getting into a little bit of tinfoil hat, but it, at Star Wars Celebration we saw a little bit of footage and one shot was like a hand on a table, kind of, it looked like struggling to use the force. Mm. So my guess is that that is Ezra. So that they might find him quickly, I don't know, and he'll probably be full of trauma.
1: Oh yeah. Sam Razanka wants to know if the Emperor could execute Order 66 again to make clones more obedient.
0: So that's an interesting thought, that the clones are rejecting their chips, and they're becoming less obedient. So yeah, could they could they just dial the chips up again? Like they did that to Crosshair in season one of the Bad Batch. They're like, let's just make this more intense. Mm-hmm. And could they just straight up like, I don't know, hit the button again and, <laughs> and see what that does?
1: I think that would require a firmware update, which they are not, uh, that's, that's not possible at this point.
0: Well, in the Darth Vader comics by Charles Soule, there are a group of clone purge troopers and a Jedi uses the Force to reactivate Order 66. And mm. it kind of makes them just start shooting at any Force user in the area, including him, including all the Inquisitors. They just kind of go nuts and lose it. Yikes. So
1: I mean, that we could chalk that up to it being something that the Force could do, but... Yeah, we we know so little about how the chips work, and if they're just degrading, and that's why they're some of the clones are snapping out of it, or if yeah, they it could get turned back on.
0: Um, I think that's a good point that it could be the force, but I mean Palpatine could do it. He'd probably be powerful enough to just be like mm, Order sixty six across all the galaxy. Of them,
1: Maybe nah, you don't know.
0: He's too old. He's and tired. so strong. <laughs> he's too tired. He's got a galaxy to run. <laughs> uh, I I don't think that will happen. I think Order 66 is largely a one-and-done thing, but my rationalization for that moment in the Vader comics will be this. If the clone troopers became became purge troopers, then they are extra obedient already. They would have never uh, rejected the chip's programming. Mm. They would have stayed with the Empire, become purge troopers... And maybe a super obedient clone already could then have it reactivated through the Force.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the whole like weak-minded idea, mm. uh, which I don't I don't like to to call anyone weak-minded. But if, like you said, if a if a specific clone is more weak-minded, maybe theirs could get reignited.
0: You know, the Clone Wars is so much about how the clones who served under specific Jedi, that would change their personalities. That mm-hmm. would affect who they became as people. It's that they did not stay the same forever. So maybe those Purge Trooper clones were under the command of Pong Krell or somebody terrible. Yeah. That they they just kept that mindset and they their their personality was affected because they had a bad Jedi General.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's, is it the last episode of the season of Bad Batch is titled Plan 99,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which could be uh, like a hint at, yeah, or like a reorder 66 kind of thing, but I don't know why they would call it Plan 99. Well,
0: so the whole season, and I they've done it the whole series actually, but they keep saying, uh, let's do plan so-and-so. Like the Bad Batch, they have ah,
1: plans. So that'll be their plan.
0: Yeah. That's my guess. It was in episode two, I think, when the the batch, they were separated. Yeah. And Hunter was like, plan so-and-so. Someone's listening to us. They know what all those codes mean. But I do think it's interesting that this could just be a cool coincidence, but 99 is the flip of 66. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It
1: got flipped. (laughs) I don't know. What if... Hear me out. Plan ninety nine sounds like like the ultimate group plan for Clone Force ninety nine. What if it's them, like doing a Captain Planet thing? Like they all pull out their rings and they're like,
0: they summon the batch, the Rucker, batch captain,
1: tech hunter. Yeah, the, and strength,
0: intelligence, just, <laughs> heightened senses. I don't know what Hunter would yell.
1: Cool hair,
0: <laughs> bandana. <laughs>
1: And then we get a, cl- a clone superhero.
0: Well, I mean, I think in a sense, you might be onto something that plan 99 could be something that requires the whole team. Mm, yeah, so crosshair need, has to be there they too. They need crosshair. Eyesight. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so oh. sorry. Yikes. Well, Must be embarrassing. Uh, uh. I, I, I am embarrassed. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below, or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow
1: us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
0: And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.
1: Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?